Okay, Rabbi Say. This is uh, this year is given in honor, as you see at the top of the of the sheet, in honor of Rabbi J. Gershon Newman. Uh, by his daughter, Chavi, and her husband, Shaul Hirschman, uh, very dear friends of uh, Miriam and myself. We were also happy to have attended recently the wedding of Binyamin, who is the son of Chavi and Shalom. But this year is in honor of Chavi Newman Hirschman's father, Rabbi Gershon Newman, Zichron Olivracha. Now this is the second half of the shir, the first half I gave on Tuesday night. If you want to hear the first half, you can listen to it on the MP3, but this is essentially, essentially the second half. In order to introduce the shear, I just want to remind you of the fact. I want to remind you of the fact, something I've said many times, is that the mitzvah of Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim, the mitzvah that we have on the night of Pesach of telling the story, is organized for us in the Haggadah. The Haggadah uh, is not the originator of, uh, of this Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim, but the original, the, the oldest version of the Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim that we have is found in the Mishnah. The Mishnah is a bit augmented by the Gemara, and the Haggadah it reflects the Mishnah and the Gemara, the Tosefta, the earlier sources as we have them. We call that part of the Haggadah. The Haggadah has other things in it also. For example, we start off the night of Pesach by saying Kiddush. Kiddush is not really part of the Haggadah, the Haggadah because we say Kiddush every Yavtif. We say Kiddush on Shabbat. So obviously there's some other reason that was something else that, per, that drives us to say Kiddush. So that the Haggadah, according to the, uh, according to the Mishnah, has a certain feature to it. And that feature, that feature is, if you look on the first page, you see the first section on the first page uh, where it says Shabbat Haggadol is the Mishnah. Right there, you know, if you look in Dalit, the last word on next to the last line, the last word on next to the last line is Matchil. Right, Matchil. is Matchil Bignut Umesayim Bishvach. That's what it says. Now, Gnut means you start by telling something bad. That's how the story starts. And Messiah and Bishvach, the story ends up with uh, a glorification of, of whatever was happening, right? Matchil Bignut, Umisayim Bishvach. Matchil Bignut, Umisayim Bishvach. But it doesn't tell us in the Mishnah 
what that is, what's matchil bignut umisayim mishvach? About that in the Gemara, this is not on the sheet, but you should remember that in the Gemara there's a machloket Rav and Shmuel. Right? Rav says, Rav says, Avadim hayinu leparo b'mitzrayim. And Shmuel says, Mitchila ovdei avodah zara hayu avotegu. It's the opposite, you think, yes? Well, it could be. I'm never good on that. But in any event, in any event, which of the two stories appears in the Haggadah? Both of them. Both of them. So if you look at the other sheet where it says Magid, you see there's the other, there are two, like two sheets. If you look at the sheet called, uh, called Magid, uh, at line 10, you see in the sheet, this, is, this sheet is the Haggadah, that you call the Haggadah, what I call the Haggadah, right? But it's missing, um, it's missing pictures of the four sons and cups of wine and things bending over and straight. It's just words. So it doesn't look like a Haggadah. But really, if you took the pictures out of your Haggadah, this is what you'd have left. So if you look at line, line 10, line 10, it says, Avadima So that's story number one that we tell on the night of Pesach. Right? Story number two appears here in the uh, in this Haggadah in line 28. You see line 28? That's Rav and that's Shmuel. Right? The first is the first is Avadim Ayinu Parat Mitzrayim. So that, that the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim, according to Rav, Avadim Ayinu Parat Mitzrayim, uh, it was bad and it was terrible and it was unhappy. And then God came along and took us out of Mitzrayim and everybody was happy. That's story number two. Number one. What story number two? Story number two says, says, Mitzilo of Avodazar So this is a little bit more annoying. What do you mean our forefathers were idolaters? What does that mean? I guess it means, maybe it means terror. We don't know exactly what it means. And then it says, then it says, the story goes on and says, uh, okay, you are you idolaters, but you saw the light and everything was good. You went down there striving, very free, and everything was wonderful. So that's the gnut and the shvach. So the difference between story number one and story number two is where the story starts. According to story number one, it starts with the Jews slaved in, enslaved in Mitzrayim. According to story number two, it starts at some place in the distant past about which we can say Mitchila of in spite of the fact that that seems to us as being a little bit odd. That's the Haggadah. Now, if you go back to the Mishnah, this can be difficult, right? You can go back to the Mishnah. The last line in the Mishnah, Mishnah Psachim, very good. Mishnah Dalet, the last, uh, next, to the, next to the last line. We see, Vidoresh, Me'arami Ovedavi. Vidoresh, the last line, Mamash, of that, of this section of Mishnah. So now, Arami Oved Avi, for those of you who don't remember, is a pasuk in the Torah. It's a pasuk in the Torah, the parasha of, parasha of, 
Kitavol. And it's what we call, we, halachists, call, we call it, vidui bikurim. What does vidui mean? It doesn't mean what we mean on Yom Kippur, where it means to confess. It means to own up to something. The truth. I'll tell you the truth. That's what vidui is. What's it got to do with bikurim? It's the vidui. It's the truth statement that we made when we brought the Bikurim, the first fruits, to the Beit HaMikdash. So, of course, what is this Pasuk doing here? Well, the Pasuk says, Arami, Ovedavi, Vayer Mitzrayim. It tells a story that somehow connected to Mitzrayim. But it's a little strange. It's a little strange, nevertheless, because the Book of Shemot, the Book of Shemot, Shemot Vayera Bo B'Shalach Yitro Mishpatim, six parashiyot, are about Yitziat Mitzrayim. They couldn't find a posuk in all of the book of Shemot to like learn that's Bidoresh. Let's learn the pasuk. Let's learn it carefully, word for word, so that you have three stories that the Mishnah mentions. This Mishnah, it could be there's a fourth story also, but there are three stories that the Mishnah mentions. One begins Avadim Hayinu Lepal Mitzrayim. The second one begins Bitshila of the Avodazara. Ayu Avoteinu. Those two stories do not contain a pasuk that we learn, that we kind of take apart and put back together in order to get the kind of the real meaning of what's going on. And so the Mishnah goes on and says, the Mishnah goes on and says, what is this? We're telling the whole story of Bitshila Mitzrayim without quoting a single pasuk? Without drasha, without doresh. So the third, the third part of that mission says, doresh. And it's all in the Haggadah. If you look back at the Maggid, you look back at the Maggid, it says, it says someplace. Um... Yeah. On the second page, right? 40. What? 40? 40? Like. Oh, yeah. One second. Not, oh, here, here, I knew the second page was someplace. Here, you see the second page, line 40. Thank you very much. So there's a story. As though you see, this rhyme starts with Lavan. I mean, Lavan was a bad guy. Lavan wanted to do in Yaakov, all of that. But I mean, to say that you said the tribe starts with Lavan, that's a little odd. But we've already gone through odd, because we've already talked about the Tzila of Devil, that also got to do with Mitzrayim. So that's pretty odd. But the difference between story number two and story number three is not only where it starts from, but story number three is a drasha. Drasha meaning, I go through the Pasuk, word by word, I explain it, look at the beginning, just at the beginning. That's the Pasuk. It's a Pasuk in the parish of Kitavot, the end of the book of Dvarim. Look at this. You see, in the Magid, every single word in the Pasuk is analyzed, explained, that's called, we call that, Doresh. So we have two stories, 
that are different from each other. First two stories that are not the Reish, and the third story, Arami of Vedavi, which is the Reish. Which is the Reish? I would like to say one thing. You know that uh, that the, the Mishnah also says, the Mishnah says, and, uh, and the Rambam calls it Lahalocha, and it's in the Rambam's Hagoda. Right? Oh, sorry. Call Hamarbe. Call Hamarbe. Marbe what? But if you tell the more you tell that's what, that's what the, the Rabbam says that's what the Mishnah says that's what the Rabbam says so I say I say it's, it's, it's a little odd I mean how much can I tell about it about Yitzhak was I there I wasn't there so what can I tell about Yitzhak Mitzrayim I tell him. my father told me okay I, I, I can say what it says in the Manashevitz I got it but that's like my father so my father telling me, everything else, you make up. I can't make up a story about Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Can I, can I just come talk about it as though I know what I'm talking about? What about that guy who made the, 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 the film about the Prince of Egypt? He made it up under rabbinic authority, if you read it. Like it's got a lot of rabbinic authority, but he made it up. But yet, in a story, you're limited. You could only tell the story that you heard of. I mean, you could lie, but let's forget about lying. Let's, that's the nature of a story. The nature of a story is it's what you remember, it's what you heard, it's what you received. You, there, there are no extra chapters in a story. Nothing. But a drasha, that's something else. <laughs> because a drasha has its own, own rules. Look at that word. Look at that word by yogar, goy, gadol. Look at those words in Hebrew. Look at what they might mean. Let's see if we can make something more out of it. Is there something hidden in the story? So that the Marbe, this directive that we have, to the Sibri, said the Triumph, is only according to the Drush. It's only the Drush that we can be Marbe. You can't say, Mitchil, oh, they have a you have a Seder, then I'm going to say, oh, uh, you know, I'm Rabinu, I have three friends who are also there, but I can't, I can't do that. Because I have no, no way to hook on to that. So the story that I tell without the Pasuk, without the Doresh, is the limited story. It's not like what we think today. So today we think you know, everybody can make up their own story if you see that's right, but I don't think that that's the intention of the Baal Haggadah. The Baal Haggadah says that the nature of Talmud Torah is that it opens up to our curiosity, to our interest, to our interpretation. But it's only Torah. It's not like telling a story. Telling a story has absolute boundaries and limits. And those boundaries are limits, and limits are the story that I heard from my father who told me the story, or if the case is, my mother who told me the story. It doesn't matter. But I can't make up any other story. When it comes to Doresh, I'm an independent. I can say something that no one else has ever said. So, let's see what Rav Nosson of Braslav said about that. Right? What is that about, about Arami Oveit Avi?
So Rav Nosson of Grotzlub asked the question in a slightly different way. If you look at page two, on one of these two groups of sheets, you will find it. Seifel Likudi Halachot, Halachot Beitzim Halachahe. So he starts off by quoting a pasuk in Shmot. And the pasuk says, Reshit Bikurei Admatecha. That's what we call Bikurei. Bikurei are the first fruits. The first fruits, literally, the first fruits. Like you go out to the field, you see, like an apple growing on a tree even before the season has really gotten underway, you have to mark it off as a fruit, the first fruit, that you bring it to Yerushalayim, and you eat it there. Tavi Beit Hashem Elokecha, you bring the Bikurim to the Beit HaMikdash. And then the Pasuk says, Lo Tivashel Gidi Right, this is the Pasuk from which we learn that you can't cook uh, meat and milk together. You can't cook them together, you can't eat them after they've been cooked together, and you can't have any other kind of hana'ah from the result of cooking the meat and the milk together. So he says, look, he says there's a pasuk in the Torah, in the same pasuk, bikurim and basar b'chalaf. Ad, he says, ki bikurim hem b'chinat the word hitchatshut is an important word. It means, uh, you might translate it as renewal. But that's not what makes it an important word. What makes it an important word is the fact that there, there shouldn't be any hitchatshut ever. Hitchatshut seems contrary to our notion of creation. What does creation mean? God created the world, and that's the way it is. It doesn't start over again. It is the way it is. But Rav Nassim is assuming that the Torah's emphasis on Bikurim has something to do with the fact that we can perceive in the world in which we live, renewal. Hitchatshut, something has happened. Utsrichim lavi hapri hamit bakeret umit chadeshet bekolshona. And therefore you have to bring this fruit, this new fruit, uh, the fruit that is new on the tree, right? That's a new invention. You have to bring it every year. Lavia miyad lebeit Hashem. And so you have to bring this fruit. And this is like an interesting sentence that the Nassim writes. And what do you do when you bring the fruit to your shalab? So you think you'd have a party. You think that you would uh, uh, do something, you know, great, run around in the streets, uh, whatever it is that people do in that time of the year. No, he says. Le saper. You see that word, le saper? There's a mitzvah of telling the story. What story do we have to tell when we bring the Bikurim? At Kolat Sarot Shavru Yisrael Mitchilatam. 
Because this is going to be again a story about faith. And every story about faith or emunah includes sarat, difficulties, problems that people have. Another way of saying that is challenges to faith. That's what the story of faith is. It's the story of the challenges to that faith. Faith. And then they apply, they, the Rav Nosson applies these words, chesed, which is best translated, as you know, as chesed. Chesed. And it's wonders, God's wonders. Hanoraim. These amazing things. Hitzilano. And that's exactly what we say when we say the Vidui Bikurim. Right? Vidui Bikurim means to tell the truth. To tell the truth. So what's the truth we say? Am Yisrael was in a difficult situation. When were they in a difficult situation? Who's Well, you know. It's either Lavan or it's Yaakov or it's Avravina or it's whatever. But there was a troublesome, troubled times. Vayered Mitzrayma. Vayagashab Bitema'at. Vayesham Goyadol Vatsum Virav Vayareyu Atadu Amitzrim. Right? Vayahanunu. The rest of the Pasuk. We went to Mitzrayim. We were, we, were, uh, we were in danger. We went to Mitzrayim. We flourished. We were in greater danger ever than ever before. You see that on line 12. Renewal. What is renewal about? So I've told you many times, you, <laughs> told you many times, that you'd see at Mitzrayim, at least according to Rav Nachman of Bratzlav, was about faith, about emunah. And the only way that B'nai Yisrael could earn this faith is to be in the worst possible situation imaginable. Because the demand on Am Yisrael was not to believe that God created the world or that God had dominion over the world or that God could do miracles endlessly as God willed them to be. But the demand of faith that was imposed upon Am Yisrael was that the promise to Avram Avinu, which was that his children, a great nation, would be brought by Kodesh Baruch to Eretz Yisrael, that that promise was inviolate. It would never change. And in order to develop that kind of faith, you had to be in a position where any reasonable person would say that that promise was no longer valid. And so B'nai Yisrael had to go into Egypt, be enslaved in the worst possible situation, find themselves unable to turn to God. What do you mean you're unable to turn to God? 
because you're schlepping around bricks, you can't turn to God, you can always turn to God. If you can't turn to God, it's because you've lost faith that turning to God is a solution, is a, is a way of changing your realities. So as long as HaKadosh Baruch said, Avinu, as long as HaKadosh Baruch said, Avinu, you're going to go, your children are going to be a great nation, and they're going to go to Eretz Canaan. But HaKadosh Baruch was talking to Avram Avinu, HaKadosh Baruch was protecting Avram Avinu. HaKadosh Baruch was, 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 was looking after Avram Avinu. There was no way that that level of faith could automatically pass down to his children. Right, so you see, Avravid had a child named Yishmael who did not accept as a matter of faith accepted God, but did not accept as a matter of faith that the promise was inviolate. That no. And so Am Yisrael, the children of Avram Yitzchak, had a tradition. They learned from their fathers of Avram and they learned from Yitzchak that God was with them, that God helped them, and God did miracles. Now they learned all of that. And yet, and yet they did not, until they experienced hopelessness, until they experienced the total inability to act on their own for their own salvation, and had to depend entirely upon HaKadosh Baruch Hu, until that time, until that time they did not have the faith that was necessary in order to become the recipients of the Torah. Because in order to receive the Torah, you have to have absolute confidence that the divine promise to bring Am Yisrael to Eretz Yisrael, to give them the Torah, to bring them to Eretz Yisrael, that that promise was a violent. No matter what you saw in history, whatever you saw in history, you saw, oh, this really looks bad. Or, or this couldn't be. Think God would be interested in, in, in our case if, and let us become in su- such a miserable situation. So Yitziat Mitzray was an absolute necessity in order to forge what we call Am Yisrael, the nation whose faith overcame history. Every other nation in the world, I'll leave out the Chinese for a moment because they don't exactly fit in, but... Uh, I'm a rabbi. I wanted to say it like, you know, I know everything fits in. So leave out the Chinese. Every other nation in the world, when faced with this kind of this kind of decision, you know, be miserable or join with us. They all joined. They all joined. Where are the Sumerians? Where are the Akkadians? Where are the ancient Egyptians? Where are the ancient Greeks? I can go on. Right? Where are the ancient Romans? They all gave in. Basically, the Greeks gave in to the barbarians. You know, the Greeks were the ones who called the barbarians barbarians. They didn't call themselves barbarians. But they gave in. They gave in and said, listen, what are we going to... I mean, this is no life. It's going to be miserable and trapped by the barbarians. So we'll join them and we'll disappear. The Jews have consistently... It's a wonderful... Uh, there's a wonderful discussion by Yaakov Herzog. I don't know, you could probably download it from someplace or other on the internet. Against Arnold Toynbee, arguing the, uh, the uniqueness of, of Am Yisrael on this point. That Am Yisrael, Am Yisrael has been willing to put up with every kind of misery 
but not not to disappear. Not to disappear, to lose its faith. It was meant to say that there were no Jews who left the faith. There certainly were. And there weren't places where the Jews were decimated. Certainly was. But in history, there aren't any Greeks left over who call themselves Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. Right? There aren't any people like that. There aren't any Sumerians walking around someplace in a little enclave maintaining Sumerian culture. They're gone. It's disappeared. So Am Yisrael in Mitzrayim, Am Yisrael in Mitzrayim was developing the faith that was necessary in order to participate in Yitziat Mitzrayim. So when the, when the, uh, the Mishnah says, Matchel Biknutu Mitzrayim Mishvach, that's saying, let's say something bad about Am Yisrael. That's not what Gnut means. It means, let's start from the most miserable situation imaginable. And how Am Yisrael was able to forge the kind of faith that was necessary in order to get through that. In order to become the Am Yisrael that would go to Eretz Yisrael. The same thing is true about the Tchila of Deavodazarayu We don't know who that is a reference to. Is it the Terech or the Avod, the Yitzchot, the Yaakov? We don't know who it is. But one thing is certain, that because Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov had such a close relationship with the Rebbein it was impossible for them, apparently, here I'm not saying that I know more than somebody else, but I mean, apparently it was impossible for them to pass this on to the next generation. Because they didn't need that kind of faith. They were, they were confronting HaKadosh Baruch all the time. But the Jews in Mitzrayim were due 210 years of feeling divine absence the inability to pray because he didn't think there was anyone listening. That was unique in the history of the Jewish people up to that point. So we say, maybe referring to, you know, the Egyptians always say that the Mitzrim, you have to look at all you have to do to understand the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, to understand it, is to look at the Egyptians. Where did the Egyptians get the strength from? How come they kept HaKadosh Baruch kept beating up on the Egyptians? Terrible. Let's take a mild, one of the mild Lakot, frogs. Okay, frogs. I mean, it's not like you have a disease. It's not like your animals are dying. It's not like they, you know, just, you know, hello, annoyed. But can you imagine? Wherever you go, thousands of frogs. I mean, they drive you crazy. Anybody, but they had, they had as a nation, they had strength. And Paro said, no. They said, no again. They said, well, think about it. And even after Makat Bechorot, even after all the firstborn were killed, they chased after Am Yisrael Atol Yav. So where did they get that strength from? They, I mean the Egyptians, they got their strength from the fact that they did not believe the promise that God had made to Avram Avinu in favor of B'nai Yisrael. And they thought that, uh, that God is strong, but strong also has limits. God can do miracles, but there are, a, there are limits to the miracles. 
And maybe God can do it in the city, but not out of the city. Maybe God can do it on Tuesdays, but not on Thursdays. Maybe God can do it in Mitzrayim, but not on Yamsuf. In other words, they were confident. Their ideology was that you could have a God, but there was no such thing as ultimately all-powerful. This is reflected again later on, say, in Greek mythology, where there are a lot of gods, some of whom are very powerful, and yet they all kind of have to get along with each other and make room. And they don't always make room for each other. Sometimes the results are catastrophic. But they can make room for each other. And this was the way the Egyptians looked at it. And if you, if you see the story, you'd see it in Israel, it's a kind of a Shakespearean play where they have like a sides that tell you what's really going on. You know, you have comic relief and you have all sorts of little speeches that are made by uh, a minor actor sometimes who tell you, listen, it is what it looks like, but this is what's really going on. So the Egyptians were the ones who made them tell you it's what was really going on in the hearts of the Jewish people. Like, what's going to be? Is this going to work on ourselves? If we join with God, are we going to be saved? Or are we going to be trounced? Are the Egyptians right? Is Moshe Rabbeinu right? And so the development of faith is not a simple matter. Because in the ancient world you could believe in God, but not believe in God forever, for all, for all situations. And that was developed in Am Yisrael, just as at the time of the Churban Bayes Rishon, Churban Sheni, other forces were developed within the Jewish people, like Talmud Torah. At this time, what was developed in Am Yisrael was Emunah. The Emunah, the faith, the Bitachon, what we call Bitachon, the faith that the promise was intact. And so this faith this faith, according to Rav Nostan Abraslov, was renewed whenever we bought Bikurim. Bikurim said, something new that happened in the world. There was some tragedy that I remember for Am Yisrael, but I have faith that I am able, able to live with the tragedy and to be able to go on and live with the promise. So if we go on in Rav Nostan, we're up to line 17. 16, 16. Oh, you see, he says, even before they went out to Mitzrayim, when Lavan ran after Yaakov, the Lavan you see what happened in the time of Lavan. Lavan had the power and he had the interest that he wanted to destroy Yaakov, but he couldn't do it. Because that was the promise of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to Avram Avinu Vladaj it was not only was Lava not able to harm Yaakov, but he was not able to prevent his own daughters, Rachel and Leah, from leaving him and going off with Yaakov to be the mothers of the, of the tribes. 
and they were they were pure in their in their sexual activity. After all, they are the holy tribes. Nothing wrong with them. No, no blemish. They all the children got up and said, "Shema Yisrael, Hashem will give Hashem a chad." And no one can describe what happened to Am Yisrael since then. So that the connection between Yitzhak Mitzrayim and Lavan is that Lavan was the model. He wanted to destroy everything. He wanted to destroy Yaakov. He wanted to take his daughters back. He wanted to take his grandchildren back. But he couldn't do it. God prevented it. And it was with that knowledge that B'nai Yisrael were enslaved in Egypt that as difficult as it was, they were powerless. They couldn't do it as difficult as it was. They somehow managed, kind of based on the story that they heard about the Lavan, to hold out, to insist that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu would save them. That's what, that's what you have Nosson says. That's the idea of, of, of Hitchachut. The kind of renewal that exists in the world is the renewal of, of faith. Uh, let's look at... Uh, so he goes on in this... Then uh, if you look at line 46. Line 46. Again, Rav Nossin. 46. V'chein b'chol dov v'adov v'adimah sonim b'gashmiyut so what does that mean? That's the Haggadah, isn't it? So Rav Nassim says, even though I started talking about which story that I start talking about, what story am I really telling? I'm telling the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, the story of the Haggadah. It's all the same. And that's why the Chazal, according to Rav Nosson, that's why Chazal chose that Pasuk, to be the Maggit of, of, uh, of the Haggadah. That's the point of faith here. That God's protection is constant. It never changes, no matter what it looks like, no matter how bad it seems. Nothing ever changes as far as God's promise is concerned. Right, you remember? The whole doya that we say in the Shemona Esriya Tov, Kilo Cholera Chamecha Vamachem, Kilo Tavuch Hasadecha Veinshume Itzali Natsenatol Zeh, Kiim Emunash Leima Bashem Yitbarach. So there you have it. Rav Nosson, as his Rebbe before him, Rav Nachman Abratzlov, was prepared to admit that there could be a question that you don't have the answer to. If you say, how could it be? How could it be that all those years of struggle and, and distress in the diaspora, how could it be? This inquisition and that inquisition, how could it be? How could it be World War One and then World War Two? Rahmat said, how could it be? So I've nothing said, there's no answer to the question. 
but the question can be overcome by faith. In, in other words, if you know that God will save you, then all you have left is a question. And you know what they say, the Litvak say for Nakasha, start minute. So you have Akasha. It's not so terrible. It's not a faith-boggling question. It's like a practical question, like I'm Ravin went to Kodesh Baruch and said, "Look, you're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah." So what about the righteous people? It's Gomorrah. What about these fifty or forty or thirty? Whatever, whatever they are. So I'm Ravin had a passion, but his passion was based on absolute faith that God was just. You understand? Because if you didn't think that God was just, what, what, so what's that? what are you talking about? So of course God's not just, so it's a city. Why not? So there are a few innocent people in the city? Too bad. You know, what, what, what's the question? The question is only a question if you believe that God is just. And so Abba Vedo said, I believe God is just. How am I going to explain it to all the other people who come into my tent I tell them to say Birkat Amazon. Who's going to believe it? Sakharish Bahal said to him, No one who doesn't deserve to be killed will be killed. And so even Lot, who was not one of the righteous, uh, was saved. So they say the same thing. This is what the tragedy is a question. But it's not always a question of faith. It's just a question. And there are people, we know, everybody knows them, who have tremendous faith in God. And the tragedy is no less a tragedy for them than for anybody else. It's just that the tragedy does not affect the faith. And that's what Am Yisrael had to become. They had to become the people of the faith. And that's the position of Rav Nosson, and that's the position of Rav Nachman Abrasel before him. And that's why Rav Nachman didn't like the Rambam so much. Because the Rambam was a philosopher, and as a philosopher he kind of gave the impression that if you looked into it, you could find an answer. You'd be able to explain away things. Somehow the Spanish Inquisition would, would make sense. The Rav Nachman said, no, that's not the way it works. The sense of heaven is not a sense that we are privy to. We don't understand how God runs the world. On the other hand, he said, on the other hand, he said, that if, <coughs> if there's enough faith, it overwhelms the question. It doesn't answer it, but it overwhelms it. The question is no longer, it's not that question. It's not, how could God do this? But it becomes, I don't understand what God did. And there's a big difference between these two, between these two questions. So according to Rabbi Nachman of Bratzlaff, and after Rabbi Nachman of the Haggadah tells the story of Am Yisrael and the renewal of faith. That Am Yisrael, while they inherited faith 
from Avraham and Yitzchak and Yaakov. And maybe they learned about what not faith is from, from Terach and Lovon. They knew about faith. But there was no way that they could achieve this level of being ma'aminim, of being people of the faith, without going through the experience of slavery in Mitzrayim, of hopelessness, of, of a total lack of control, and having the Egyptians play off against them uh, this, kind of, uh, uh, this kind of lack of faith in the, in the ultimate promise that God had made. So Am Yisrael needed the slavery in Mitzrayim in order to become the Bnei Amunah, the men of faith who would then be worthy of receiving the Torah. As you know, this did not work out perfectly because even though they learned a lot, they were still under the influence of the Erev Rav. And who are the Erev Rav? Egyptians who came out of Mitzrayim with the Jewish people and apparently were able to influence them in the direction of making, of making uh, uh, the Egel Hazahav. And so Rav Nosson says, this idea that we have faith, this idea that we believe in God's promise even though it doesn't seem to be a reasonable kind of belief, this kind of belief demands renewal over and over again, year after year after year. And we do it when we bring the Bikurim which remind us of renewal, of something new happening in the world. And that's the story. So Matchil Bignusim Messiah Lishrach is a kind of introduction to the real story. The real story of Yitziat Mitzrayim is Arami Ovei Davi. And the real story of Yitziat Mitzrayim is a drasha. And a drasha is open-ended. You can add all kinds of things to the Jewish, right, say things that no one else has ever said, said before. And why do we have to tell the story? And why do we have to subject ourselves to Pesach, which is a, a kind of a, a, a slavery that turns into freedom, I think, uh, when Pesach finally comes. Why do we have to do that? Because Pesach is a time when we renew this idea that faith is not a function of historical reality. Whatever happened in history, whatever happened yesterday, Whatever might happen tomorrow or the day after, it has no real effect on the faith that Am Yisrael is supposed to be carrying around as they carry the Torah with them wherever they go. Chak Hashem Shabbat Shalom. All the best.